Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Writings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. We are a matter of days away from the buy period. How exciting, especially from a strategic point of view, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we separate the uh, the good coaches from the average coaches now. Um, those that are planned ahead will really excel in the ranking. As always, if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out on the Plus 6 Podcast Twitter feed, you go in with a chance of scoring a Plus 6 Podcast cap. Uh, around the buy period, we're going to give away a few more. Uh, AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, jump on there. For plenty of content, especially for fantasy. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets. Additionally, fantasy content on aflratings.com.au. Um, other stuff there as well to assist you. And remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on a day. It's Wednesday, May 26. Make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. And just quickly, Jet, I'll just mention, obviously, we might get some fixture changes coming up and with regards to some COVID situations. So just be adaptable. So that's pretty much all I want to mention there. Just adapt and just be ahead of the game. Okay, general questions, Jet, let's go. What are your three key trade strategies just one round ahead of the buy period? Well, firstly, bringing in players from this point onwards with, without an injury history. So, you know, a side bottom's pretty cheap right now, but given his soft tissue injury history, I'm not going to look at it. So I think making sure the players you bring in, both rooks and primos, have a healthy, uh, you know, track record and um, you eliminate that risk. The second one is bringing in players, or rookie players, that although they may be expensive, that are going to generate short-term cash. So Poles is the obvious one there, and Burns. So making sure we're still generating some cash um, and we offload in the buy rounds as necessary. We just get keeping that cash ticking up. That's number two. And then number three is really looking at the captain and making sure I have a primo for each um, of the buy rounds that I want to make captain. So that always escapes coaches sometimes. So pre-planned your captains for the buy rounds because, you know, round 13, for example, we have no merit and no um, McRae. So who are we going to go to? Is it going to be a Gorn or Grundy or we're going to look at elsewhere, look at the matchups and, and plan ahead? Yeah, for me, it's uh, set out your trade plan, which, which includes targets uh, over the buy period. I remain disciplined. There's number two for me. Um, don't go off the rails and pick something that you think is good for a couple of weeks. And what you'll find is for the remainder of the season that that player will hamstring your trade strategy uh, for the remainder of the year. And the finally, for number three, keep an eye on your player balance across the three-week period uh, because if you are short on one week, uh, it's going to cost you uh, plenty of points and obviously rank there as well. Okay, Jeff, targeting quality rookies is extremely important. Why do you think that is the case? Oh, again, like I mentioned earlier, it's about cash generation still. Um, quality rookies are few and far between at this point of the season, and it's a real problem to, to make upgrades. So jumping on the quality rooks where we can is pretty much um, priority one. Yeah, keeping uh, an eye on injury situation at each club. So if a rookie does come in for a debut, you've got to understand why he's coming in for his first game or, or one of his early games at a low salary. So 
depending on the injury situation at a club, you sort of can guesstimate how long he could be in that team for. So that's keeping an eye on that injury situation is quite important. Um, it also puts you in a position where if it could be a long-term spot in the team, that is your best chance to achieve a decent return on investment. All right, Jep. Uh, what we're going to go on to now, some current assessments. So we've got uh, a few categories here. So the first one is Jack Zebel. So we discussed him as a trade target a few weeks ago. Now, I asked you on the podcast, what do you think he could average? And we sort of, both we're both happy with over 100 point average. Um, I was thinking over 110. And he was about 800K at that stage. Now, it was a bit of FOMO because we could see these high scores coming in, but let's go a little bit in hindsight here and see what happened since then. Post round six, Jack Zebel has averaged 96.3 points from his last four games, so that's interesting. Since then, over that period of time, how many players do you think have averaged across AFL Fantasy more points than Jack Zebel? So just have a bit of a guess. Uh, about 12. 56. Wow, there you go. So, like, he was uh, 799k at the end of round six, so everyone looked at his scores and think he's a must-have, and we discussed the possibility that, you know, you could go down to a cheaper price. Now, the cheaper price at that particular time was Josh Kelly, and so since then we know what Josh Kelly has done. So you could have picked up an extra, I think it was about 160k there as well. So if you hadn't got that, uh, those who had Josh Dunkley at the time, which I was one of, it was an easy trade to... um, Jack Zebel, which I did, um, I don't think you had Dunkley, so you did not, and you didn't pay up for Zebel, which has turned out to be a very good decision. So just through some prices here, at the end of round six, uh, he was 799k, and end of round seven, he was 828k, uh, round eight, uh, 829, round nine, 811k. Now he started to regress in salary, uh, so currently he is at 788k. He's got a break even of 144. I still think he's going to uh, average pretty well for the remainder of the year, and he, I still think he's going to be over that 100-point average. So, But if you're targeting him, you might want to wait a few more weeks, break even of 144 points. Uh, you're going to get him a lot cheaper in a few weeks. What are you thinking there, Chip, on the Jack Zebel situation? Uh, for those uh, that we discussed there a few weeks ago, to trade him in or not to trade him in? Yeah, look, I think the the decision, the you know, hindsight right decision was not to trade him in. Um, I got lucky in that instance, but it, I would have had the FOMO with if I did own Dunkley, and I probably would have done it. So it, you're still getting a great player in Zebul that's going to average really well. Um, so it's it's just sitting him there, and, and there's not many primo forwards that are just smashing it at the moment like Zebul is. So it's not a huge problem. Okay, the next player that we've done, and I've mentioned him uh, quite on the podcast for you, Jeff, is Darcy Parrish. Now, this was an opportunity trade that I didn't do, and obviously you didn't do it at the same time. But we just want to go back and have a look at hindsight, what happened to Parrish, and why the scores have started to roll in. So that actually provides us information in the future of what to do in these types of situations. So it was definitely an opportunity, uh, Darcy Parrish. At round two... Jai Caldwell and Dylan Shield were both ruled out with long-term injuries. So it was quite obvious that Parrish was going to get an increase in midfield usage. Okay, so round t- one and two, Parrish averaged 66 points. So not really many had the vision to say, well, he's going to average uh, quite a lot 
from then. But the issue was, or the opportunity was, that he had uh, an increase in midfield usage that was going to be presented to him. So his salary was 602k at that particular stage, and his centre bounce usage was at 42.6%. So it was that midfield forward role, uh, everyone wanting to play midfield, and we could actually project that he was going to see a spike, as I have mentioned. So in rounds three to ten, have you guessed what he's averaged, Jep? I think it's about 120 something. Yeah, 118.3. So that's a monster average since then. So as I said, we could predict that he was going to see increased midfield usage. So his midfield usage since uh, round three has been 78.4% at centre bounces. So we could have predicted the midfield usage. It happened. And look at the results there with regards to his average. So his salary now is at 811 k and is probably way beyond where a lot of people might think. But still, with Caldwell and Shield sidelined, for pretty much a long term, uh, I don't think it's going to be anywhere a poor average for the remainder of the year. So there were definitely key indicators with regards to role. Uh, we could see that was going to happen. His scoring ability, we've known he can score. So if you match those two up, you go, well, there's an opportunity there. And definitely at 602k, there was, uh, with regards to value and his scoring ability, there was potential value there. So pretty much you've got to take a leap of faith at that stage. Uh, averaging 66 points from his first two games, pretty much not many would be optimistic on what he could have averaged. But, you know, it's a leap of faith based on role and his scoring ability. So the long-term injuries, as I mentioned to Caldwell and Shield, was a major opportunity that, that you and I both missed. Um, we learned from that and put that in a memory bank and as a checklist uh, moving forward onto other players. What do you think in there, Jip? Yeah, look, I think he's spot on. You know, the indicators were there. So no matter what he averaged, obviously he excelled above expectations. Way above. Yeah, it was more the fact for me that um, having him in the past, you know, I had that biased opinion and he scarred me. You know, the same with Heaney. I've had Heaney years ago. And I'll never go him again, go at him again because he's just never going to be that midfielder and get the, the amount of ball he needs to score well. So, yeah, noting noting that's fine. I think, um, yeah, it was it's one that you, if you did bring him in, even a few weeks ago, you would have really excelled in the ranking and cash is king. You would have really saved and generated some cash and brought in a great midfield prima. So not necessarily do we have to be spending up big time all the time for premium top players that we might right. we we could have used that as an opportunity. But again, you might have waited, you know, round three, round four to say, well, hang on a sec, his midfield usage did go up and his scores are starting to roll in. So if you're the targeting back then, you have done uh, quite well indeed. Okay, Jeff, on to our next current assessment, and we're just going to talk a little bit about points per minute. So this is game time percentage. I'll just say points per minute. So we're going to go through the top ten players that have the highest points per minute through 10 rounds. Uh, so at number one is Cam Guthrie, so 1.55. Number two, Aaron Hall, is at 1.54. So he goes back to that halfback role, obviously scoring at a high rate. Mitch Duncan, uh, 1.51. So just be aware that Duncan is ruled out for this week there as well for Duncan owners with the concussion protocol. So but 1.51, he scores at a very high rate. The next player, number four, Jack McRae, 1.46. We know he scores at a high rate. Uh, Jared Lyons, we also know the same situation, 1.43. Uh, one of the favourites there, Zach Merritt at number six, 1.38, uh, high rate. 
Number seven, Rory Laird, uh, 1.37. So most players are rolling with Laird at this stage. Uh, Tim Taranto pops in there as well at 1.37. And Ollie Wines uh, also there at 1.37. And Brody Grundy as well. So uh, most players that we would have in our team, if not, there's an opportunity to target them throughout the remainder of the season. Now, just a special mention there for one player that when I was going through doing his research was James Rowbottom. So he comes in at 1.31. So that's just one to, just to keep an eye on with regards to his scoring rate. So what are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, the points per minute is obviously <clears throat> part of the analysis of bringing in players, um, especially with the primo. So if a primo doesn't have a high points per minute, you're taking a bit of a punt um, with their consistency going forward. I, um, I always look at points per minute with every Primo I bring in, um, even the rookies sometimes, but um, because of their limited time on ground, that can happen. So, yeah, it's it's a key indicator that we need to pay attention to. Okay, Jeff, premium players to target, uh, high-selling player types, so less than 750K and break-even of less than 100. So that's a parameter we have used for most of the season. Uh, just to have a look at uh, some players that could be of value and with regards to not spending up for big premium type players as well and just using our salary cap wisely. So Jack Crisp, uh, increased midfield usage, uh, 731k, break even of 95. I know, I think you have Crisp, so what are you thinking for him for the remainder of the season? Yeah, if uh, Collingwood are going to play possession footy, then um, for sure we are... He's going to score well. He, um, Buckley loves him, and um, he's always got that midfield centre-bounce usage um, that's relatively consistent. It's not super high, but consistent. Next player there, Andrew Brayshaw, 724k84. I've locked Brayshaw, but he missed last week with a calf injury. Set to return, but for me, I'm a holder on Andrew Brayshaw anytime soon because of that injury situation. What are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier in the pod, any injury cloud you just got to avoid. So um, it's it's a no for Brayshaw for now, but definitely look at him post buys. Aaron Hall, as we mentioned, high points per minute there, 712k, break down to 62. He's still viable at 712k, even for those that don't have. So I'm just a massive like there for Hall. I think his role and obviously scoring rate is quite high. At 712k, I still think his value. What are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, Love Hall, I think that's um, still a safe bet for the short term and we keep rolling with uh, the points and cash generation. Jack Billing, 683k, break even to 97. Does have some volatile scoring there at times. Add on a wing roll for the Saints. Now the Saints got blown off the park last week and Brett Ratton has forecast some change. So just got to think how much volatility plays into some St Kilda players, but Jack Billings should be solid out in his wing role. What are you thinking now on Billings, Jeff? We are locking him or we're not locking him? No, I do like him. Um, and I like the fact that he's out of contract and playing for as much as he can get in his new contract. So he wants to do as best as he can, no matter how poorly St Kilda are going. So I don't mind the Billings um, trading. Dyson Heppel, halfback role for the Bombers this year, 682k, break even of 96. Uh, once again, defenders can be a flat average, but Heppel uh, can actually put in there some pretty decent scores. At that price tag of 682k, Jeff, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I think it, at this point, it's the, the ship sailed for me. Uh, injury history, um, he's got Ridley and now um, Redmond to contend with for kick-ins and the like. I think he can do better than Heppel. The next player could be a target this week, and this is based on their discussion with regards to Darcy Parrish. 
So this could be a change in role moving forward. So Lockie Hunter, 629K, which is quite reasonable. We do know he has a ceiling, break even of 93. So we know Dunkley's out long-term with uh, injury, and we now know that Adam Trelaw is out long-term with injury. So the predictive role for Hunter would be now more permanent wing uh, with some rotation and some sprinkling through those centre bounces. So that's his prime scoring position there out on a wing for the Bulldogs. At 629k, there would be value. Again, we go back to the situation with Darcy Parrish. Is this an opportunity that we, we need to look at, uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think it is. I think, and he did play a lot of wing on the weekend um, against St Kilda. So. It's it's already been flagged. It's already happening. So let's um, let's cash it in. He's a forward. He's got the round 13 buy, which suits me and and should suit most. Um, so yeah, I think um, Lockie Hunter should be a big target for everyone. Uh, the next player there, Patrick Cripps. Now, I did look at Cripps last week as a trade-in for my team. Now, the only thing that I didn't pull the trigger on that was my midfield balance throughout the buy, so I did not go there. But he's averaged 107 points from his last two games. He's now down at 622k. He's got a break-even of 80. So if he's now back to full fitness, Jeb, at 622k, I would say he's value. What are you thinking? Yeah, he's value. But again, at this stage of the game, are we... Are we going to risk someone that's going to get lots of attention when he's fully fit? You know, I worry about the tag with Cripps, mm. um, and I worry about his consistency. I don't think he's ever, for a couple of years now, he's not been a consistent fantasy um, performer. So he's one I would actually avoid no matter what. Yeah, he's quite volatile in the scoring, and he does have a limited ceiling there. So, yeah, But I still think at 622k, he is value. Okay, the next one we've discussed, Caleb Daniel. Uh, for a couple of weeks now. So 600k, break even of 71. He was sat on a little bit last week, so that's a little bit concerned going forward. Now the Bulldogs are going quite well. So you've got to think that that could be a chance for most teams to target him throughout the remainder of the season. Is it too volatile a scoring situation for us, Jep? For me, I'm thinking it might be. Yeah, I think it is as well. And, and typically at this point, I'm bringing in the primos that I want to have for the rest of the year. So... <clears throat> having uh, Caleb Daniels' risk in that instance is is too high, and um, yeah, there's other primos that you can get better. On to the next player, Jordan Ridley still hasn't seen any type of ceiling uh, consistency since his return from injury. 586k, break even 84. What are you thinking there, Jip? Yeah, it's um, it's an odd one. I, I expect him to be back to normal by now. Um, still off the pace a little bit, so. Uh, his break-even favours um, potential owners, so it's not life-threatening if you don't bring him in this week, so it's one to watch. Next player there, Dustin Martin, 564k, break-even of 93. He was a bit of a target last week, and he didn't perform, and was actually quite a tough matchup against Brisbane. So senior players are returning for the Tigers, so that's a, actually should be a positive for Martin. Uh, with regards to getting back uh, to total Richmond team structure and game style. So their upcoming uh, schedule for the Tigers is Adelaide and Essendon in the next two weeks pre-buy. So I think that would be actually quite favourable for him. Um, now post-buy, you've got West Coast. That's in Perth. But uh, his uh, recent form against West Coast has put up a couple of very good ceiling games. So you've got to be one to look out there for that. And the game after West Coast is St Kilda. So if they're actually still uh, quite uh, poorly performing, uh, that could be a good period to target Dustin Martin 
especially at 564k, it's pretty low. Uh, break even 93, uh, so if he doesn't score that again this week, he'll drop in salary. But I think 564k, uh, he should be a target this week. What do you think of Egypt? Yeah, I think he's the target. The, the short-term draw, the value, um, what he can do, and he'd be pushing, you know, as a top six forward regardless. So definite value. I'm thinking about it long and hard personally. I am just trying to make it work from a dollar's point. Now, if you think with regards to Richmond, that they need to have a really solid second half to push in for the top four. So they're way out of that, well, not really way out of it, but they're out of that zone of top four at the moment. So they really need to finish the season solid. And you would think if they do, that Dustin Martin would be part of that. What are you thinking on that, Jeff? Yeah, agreed. I, um, for years, I've seen Richmond or Hardwick tailor his team to peak at the right time. And Chris Scott does the same with Geelong. You know, he holds back players like Selwood and and the like. He hasn't done that so much with Selwood this year, but he's held back players to peak at the right time and his team at the right time. You never want to peak too early. You want to um, be be set for the second half. And obviously top four is the first goal and you do what you can do to get there. So Richmond's had a slow start. I think two years ago they had a slow start as well and still made the top four and won the premiership. So... They know what they're doing. It's time to turn it on. I reckon Hardwick would be in Dusty's ear to, to stop being a bit lazy. I found him lazy last week. Um, and it's, yeah, it's time to, to perform. Okay, the next player here has shown a ceiling in the past. Now, he had injury issues over the preseason, suspended in Game 1, and has had injury issues throughout the season and was actually managed there for a week. It's Zach Williams, 524K. Now, he's got a break-even of 75. I think that's value. I think his break-even is right there. He put up a pretty decent score last week. Now, we know that Nick Newman has come back into the team. We also know that uh, Zach Williams has gone back to half-pack because with regards to his tank and moving into the midfield, that you know because of his interrupted pre-season and his interrupted season to date, that he's actually more beneficial to the Blues sitting at half-back. Now, we know that they brought him in to be a midfielder. I think it will happen eventually, but I don't think it's going to happen for a while, and it might not happen until next year. So if he sits at half-back, and now Doherty's going to a wing, so if he sits at half-back, he's more or less going to be in that situation where uh, he's going to be in a premium scoring position. So Doherty out of there, Newman's back there as well. Williams in the premium scoring position. I think this could be a target chip, and I think this could be an opportunity. Because if they all stay in their same positions for the remainder of the season, I think Williams could see a lot of opportunities from a fantasy perspective. What are you thinking? Uh, I don't like it. Um, if it was a flip side, half back to midfield, <clears throat> I would think about it. But it's it's really hard to turn up in fantasy, okay? So the old rule was 20 possessions, five marks, five tackles, is thereabouts of what you need. I can't say we're going to get that every week from, from Newman, uh, from um, Williams. So, yeah, it's um, it's a no from me. It's, um, I love the Doherty, though. It's on the flip side, if we just quickly mention Doherty, he's gone from hard back to the midfield, looks at home, they love the ball in his hands, and it's it's a bit of a smash play with Doc, um, even though he's already at quite a high primo price. So, yeah, Williams, red flag, injury history again, a bit lazy, still doesn't look fit to me, but more at home at the halfback role for sure. So he scored 99 points last week, and he was off the ground for a little bit of time with uh, an assessment of 
I think it was a knee there. So just, you know, he still pops out with 99 points. So I think there's an opportunity there. But, yeah, you've really got to take note of his interrupted pre-season. You've got to take note of his injury throughout the year. But if once he gets to the bye and has a bit of a bit more of a rest, he actually could be, um, he might pop off in the second half of the year. So 524k, he's definitely on my radar jet. Okay, we're going to flip back to some uh, some break evens here. So break evens to the target. Um, we have six players this week that have a negative break even. So we're going to do a quick discussion on each. So Caleb Poulter uh, scores over 100 points last week against Port Adelaide. Uh, we know, as I mentioned in the solo podcast in episode 86, that Nathan Buckley said that, that we're going to have changes to our game style. Obviously, they had some personal changes as well. Uh, Taylor Adams comes back into the team as well. And uh, Magpies did with, uh, hold on to the ball quite a lot. And if that's going to be their game plan for the remainder of the year, you've got to expect that some Collingwood players and there should be on your radar to target for the remainder of the season. So 349k, which is up there with regards to low salary prices, but his break-even is at minus 10. Chip, I think it's almost a non-negotiable for the, those that don't have him, that he should be the target. What are you thinking? Yeah, agreed. All, all those facts you speak of a possession footy and what we saw with his stats last week with 12 marks, um, you can't not get him. He's got the round 14 buy. Obviously, it's a, it's a short-term trade-in, but um, you need to do it. You really need to do it. It's um, There are very limited options elsewhere, and he's got the negative break even. Okay, the next one is Ryan Burns. Uh, comes in for a pretty decent score in what was a pretty poor performance from his team. Uh, Ryan Burns, 337k, break even of minus eight. Uh, if you don't have Burns and you have Poulter, I think Burns is the target. Uh, I think both are a must Get, but minus eight break even. Jep, he's going to make some good cash. What are you thinking there? Yeah, again, a bit like Poulter. He um he really did well with the marks. <clears throat> Bulldogs didn't pay him any respect. I don't think I watched him pretty closely, and very rarely did he have an opponent. So um he was that lead up um from the wing a lot of times where he just sort of took took the dinky kick and took a a, a short pass, marked it, and then try to create so I think well I'm pretty certain that um, uh, Brett Ratton sorry would love him and he, and he holds his place in the team and he's not one on notice so I think they run with Burns given the energy he brings and the intensity he brings when he's around the contest and um, yeah I think it's a safe bet and they must have so, Jeff, the next player, Nick Bryan, so it's just opportunity here. Sam Draper is due back to return. Andrew Phillips is in that team, so it could be a while before we see Nick Bryan again. 195k, minus three break even. What are you thinking there? Oh, I would love him to um, to be in. The, he's going to score well. He's cheap. It's just job security, isn't it? That's the only issue. So let's see how it plays out with the injuries and selection and whatever else. But, um, yeah, it's a shame. Cody Waitman, uh, 295k minus three break even. Now, he plays that small forward role. The Bulldogs should be a pretty decent scoring team with regards to hitting the actual scoreboard. But that small forward role could be some volatile scoring. 295k is a little bit up there in price. But if you have Pulse over, you have Burns, might be an opportunity there. Minus three break even. He's still going to make some coin. What are you thinking now, Waitman? Yeah, I think Waitman's a post-buy option if he's still cheap enough. I, there's just Wallace and West are, out of that team, and as soon as he plays a poor game, he'll be out. You know, Bulldogs' depth is remarkably 
yeah, amazing. And they've just got options galore. So I can't um, pick Waitman with any real um, job security assurance, and I think that needs to be flagged, especially before you know, as we approach the buy rounds, we need every player playing. Ned Reeves comes in for the Hawks, uh, plays his first game. Scoring was uh, okay, uh, 195k minus two break even. Uh, he's pretty tall, this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, you've got to think he's going to see some uh, pretty good opportunities. And the Hawks, obviously, uh, they've hit rebuild, reset there. So he should see some opportunities there for the Hawks for the remainder of the season. Uh, if you're looking to pay down, uh, he might not be that bad a target. 195k minus two break even. Chip, what are you thinking? Yeah, I would love it. Again, job security is the problem. If they if they roll with him for the next month or so, they, he, the Hawks do have Gold Coast in um, the Northern Territory. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a good matchup for him. I think he'll do okay. It's just what happens after the buy round, round twelve. You know, does he come back round thirteen? Um, how are they going to um, approach the rest of the season with development and players like Reeves is just the uncertainty. So for now, it's a no. Zach Sproul comes in uh, to the forward line for the Giants. Did quite well last week. 225k minus two break even. Uh, volatile scoring position for me, Jeb. Uh, but still, if you want to pay down, 225k is not uh, egregious price to take there for Sproul. But yeah, uh, you might not see that much coin as a result uh, from a return on investment uh, strategy. So what are you thinking now on Sproul? Yeah, I agree there. And I think um, his score was dictated. I think he kicked a couple of goals. Um against West Coast. So um, if he doesn't get those goals, his scores could be in the 40s. Okay, Jeff, we're going to do uh, some key players here that the listeners have requested. So thanks for sending those in. Time to play like or dislike. Uh, add a comment if you like. We're going to do an 11-pack to finish off the podcast. Jeff, first off, Tom Green, uh, pretty decent score last week, 544K, break even of 33. Now we know he is he, really good in that midfield but he does play a dual role which is forward as well so you've got to expect some volatility but he's starting to develop into a very good midfielder what do you think Egypt? yeah he's, he's he's limited game time and getting the scores if he gets forward status in round 12 he it will be very likely coming into my team um, for the value he provides so I'm pretty confident he will get the DPP and with that, um, we'll be coming a bargain, especially uh, in round 13 trade-offs. Rory Sloan, uh, slow day last week for Sloan, 652k, break-even of now of 110. Uh, still think it should be a target, but yeah, break-even of 110, you don't really have to rush in and, and take Sloan. What are you thinking there, Jep, like or dislike? Yeah, probably wait a week, I think. Um, it's a shame with Sloan, sometimes he can really turn it on and then he kills you with, um, with some poor performances. So... You don't want that from potential primos and those, you know, primos on the outskirts. So um, he's not for me, but I can see why other coaches are bringing him in. Adam Chera, 576k, break even to 94. I don't think Chera should be that much of a target, so it's a dislike for me. What do you think in there, Jip? No, I don't think he should be a target. Not not at all. I think um, Brayshaw comes back and he's never really had the high ceiling yet. But, um, yeah, no, not a target for me. Bailey Smith, is this our Darcy Parish moment again? We did speak about Lockie Hunter, but there is a role changing coming for Bailey Smith. Uh, so he's now at 586k, 
break-even of 75. Now, we know he does have a fantasy game. Is the midfield usage going to provide him that ceiling that we need? So, while somewhat decent, scoring ability is there, and salary is still decent, and we do have the confirmation that there are long-term injuries in the team. So, Jeb, first, like or dislike. Second, is this our second Darcy Parish moment of the season? It is. It very much is. The problem I've got, and I would bring him in, the problem I've got is I've got too many round 13 um, midfield primos, so I can't. <laughs> um, but those who are light on in the uh, round 13 midfield primos, definitely bring him in. I think, um, you know, as soon as Trelaw went off, he was pretty much on par with McRae, Bont and Libard with centre bounce attendances. So there's your key indicator already um, in a half of football. And, um, you know, if Hunter goes back to his ring walk, wing role, which he did play against St Kilda for the majority of the game, pretty much 90% of the game. So two two changes that, um, you know, we, we can't be surprised with Beveridge at the um, at the helm there, you know, swinging the, the magnets around and, and getting what he wants. But, yeah, injury creates opportunity and it's time for Bailey Smith to uh, step up. Jared Lyons, a very decent scoring ability, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. 8.32k, 108 break even. Now, Lockie Neal should be back after the buy at some stage. Uh, but still, Lyons is a high-selling type player. Jep, like or dislike? Very much like him, um, and the point of difference too. Not not a high ownership, so you can jag in the rankings. The thing I like about Lyons is even if Brisbane are playing poorly or they're playing well, he scores well no matter what. So... Some players like Sloan, for example, if Adelaide's playing poorly, he can score poorly. All right, next one, Jep. Brad Crouch, 669K, 96 break even. Now, Saints could be a volatile situation for the remainder of the season, so that's one thing to keep an eye at. Uh, Brett Radden has also signalled several changes, so as much as I was targeting Brad Crouch, for me it's now a dislike, and I'm pretty much thinking I'm going to avoid St Kilda players for until uh, their team starts to settle down again. So signalling changes, that's a that's a warning bell for us, and obviously you know that could provide volatile um, scoring for the remainder of the season. What do you think in there, Jet? Like or dislike Brad Crouch? Nah. No, no, dislike. His body language is off. He's not hungry for the footy. He's just signed his long-term deal last year when he got traded there. You know, he's not hungry enough. Next one, Luke Ryan. Slow start to the day. Got there in the end with a decent score, 627k. Break even of 85. We've mentioned it previously, Jep. Uh, defenders can average, uh, provide a flat average, so therefore he might be 627k in four weeks. So you're not really... There's no real FOMO here with Luke Ryan. What do you think of like or dislike? Yeah, I think we reassessed Luke Ryan exactly that um, after the buys because of his flat average. Uh, one player we've already mentioned in the podcast, but we'll mention him again, 683k, Jack Billings, 97 break. Evan Jep, what are you thinking? No, I like him. I think, again, he, he's playing for his new contract. He, he looks hungry, unlike Brad Crouch, and um, I like what he has to offer in terms of the mark kick game that he plays on the wing. Next player, this might be an opportunity as well, is Nick Newman. Now, we do know he has a fantasy ceiling. We do know he has a fantasy game. So uh, we've said that Doherty's gone onto the wing. Uh, we've also said that Williams has gone back. Now, 557k, break-even of 68, uh, he can score. 
Now, if he's going to play that loose-type role for the Blues, uh, there's definitely an opportunity here. I'm going to say like, Jep. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to say like as well. You know, as but yeah, look, it's... I suppose I'm trying to think of a negative, and I really can't. The only negative I would probably think is, does he play well when Carlton get flogged? Um, and I think he, he's still solid in his performances. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with like. So with the teams, you mentioned if Carlton get defeated, uh, heavy defeats there. So the the opportunity for half-back players is if the team is getting scored heavily on, that means they've got more opportunity to score from a fantasy perspective because they're conceding a lot more inside 50s. So actually, half-backs and a team that have heavy scores against is actually an opportunity, whereas most people think it's not an opportunity. So it definitely is because you do have more scoring opportunities. Now, the one player that we've mentioned throughout the podcast uh, for quite a bit this year is Aaron Hall. So the Kangaroos are getting scores against, and that obviously provides opportunities for players like Zebel and Hall. So if the Blues are going to get scored heavily against, now I'm suggesting they are, you did, but it's actually an opportunity. All right, so the next player there is Josh Dacos, 564k, break even of 69. Now, he's had a sprinkling of midfield usage. Um, he, his best scoring position is pretty much out on a wing. Now, Bo McCreary's out this week, so just got to think you know, who comes in for that small forward type role for the Magpies, and he plays that small forward role quite well as for uh, the Magpies. So you've just got to think that he's still in that dual role um, set up of midfield and small forward, although most of his game time in recent weeks has been up in that midfield. So for me, I'm actually going to say like, he still can score, so what, what role he plays. Uh, so for me, I'm going to say a like. What do you think in there, Jep? Yeah, I'd, I like him too. Um, I don't think he gets thrown into that small forward role. I think Josh Thomas goes a bit deeper, um, and then they bring another runner in, whoever it may be, and then, yeah, Dacos does his best work delivering the ball inside 50, lace out to um, to his players and then bobbing up for a goal or two. So um, you, play to, you play your players to their strengths, and I know Buckley has tried to shuffle the decks and, and playing players in different positions to add strings to their bow in years to come. But um, for now... Um, in, in Dacos's development, he's got to gain confidence for this year and next year and um, he play in his best position to do the most damage. Okay, so just on Josh Dacos, he was 564k and break even to 69. And just on Josh Thomas, he was assessed for an ankle injury last week. He did roll his ankle quite severely. So he's a definite test for this week. So you just got to keep an eye on that situation. So, you know, that could push Dacos forward. So the last player here, what we want to look at is James Harms. Now, this is an opportunity potentially here as well, Jet. He's at 558k, break-in of 67. So Viney keeps getting pushed out from his return. He's now likely coming back post-buy. So Harms has seen an increase in midfield usage, and that's probably going to be quite consistent until after the buy at least. Now, James Jordan is in the mix as well, but you think, uh, and I did question whether Harms was number four banana with Viney back in the team, but you've got to think at least for the next few weeks is that uh, James Harms is actually going to be the number three banana in that team, which re- is going to present him opportunities. Now, his lowest scoring game this year is 80, so I think that's actually a good baseline. So I think he could actually, at 558k, break down to 67. I do say he presents a lot of value. For me, it's a like. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I like it still. I like it in the short term and, and for what 
he can offer in terms of points and cash generation. You know, traditional mid-pricer um, with the role. So, yeah, like. All right, Jack, that's it. A uh, bit of an extended podcast there. So we'll return to our normal schedule back next Tuesday night. So that'd be great. Uh, solo podcast on Monday night. Uh, just a final thought heading into round 11, Jeff. Yeah, stay disciplined. You know, make sure you, you've got your buy trades planned out. Please, I beg you. Um, you um, you're going to realise how much you, you gain ahead in rank or conversely, if you don't plan it well, you're going to drop. Yeah, just uh, obviously be prepared, especially with your um, trades over the buy period because uh, they can provide plenty of opportunities to jump in rank. Okay, Jep, that's it for episode 87. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.